We're just getting started. Now let's look over at Numbers 14, next chapter, in verse 23. It's good to study your Bible. It's good to read your Bible. And I know you haven't been in Numbers recently, so we're getting in the book of Numbers tonight. Numbers 14, in verse 23. It says, this is God speaking to them. They certainly shall not see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. Verse 24, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him. Now, I just preached at Pastor James Church on Sunday morning. So the response level tonight needs to elevate because I can barely get out one verse at Pastor James without a Pentecostal mama having a Holy Ghost fit on the back row, okay? We're talking really Holy Ghost fit, not like stuff we have here. Like, we're talking, they had to get the church fans out and fan this person down because the Holy Ghost was on them. So we're going to have to, to elevate. I realize a lot of you are white, which I'm sorry if you happen to be white. But we're going to have to elevate the response level tonight, the expression level tonight, because how many know you get more when you respond more? And a lot of us don't get more because we don't respond when we're at church, and that was free. In Numbers 14, notice it says, But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him, has followed me, and I will bring him into the land where he went, and he sent us out in inheritance. Verse 28, last verse. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. Notice that. Just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. Uh, one more verse before we get going. Hebrews 11. Are you going to heaven? And you don't trust the hot dogs at 7 Eleven. Warrior, don't do it. Don't do it. It's not good for you. It's almost about as healthy as a Waffle House. I knew I'd get a response over there. <laughs> Wapas has been proven to uh, not extend your life, but to shorten it by months at a time by eating the contents that they serve. Hebrews 11 and verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Notice that. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You guys good tonight? You guys ready tonight? You still love me tonight? Okay, I don't, I mean, actually, you didn't like me from last week, but I said, still the truth. So tonight we're going to be talking about, drumroll, pause, no. What do you expect? What? Message 
had to do anything. It's quiet already in this Methodist church, but that's the truth. Notice, if you're not expecting God to do anything, God's not doing anything. And a lot of us are just expecting God to just come and do it for us without us putting out real faith and expectation into what He's going to do, like it's just going to happen automatically. And you know what? You get things sometimes at church just because the preacher is expecting something, just because your pastor is expecting something, just because your parents are praying for you and they're expecting something. So sometimes you get something because of somebody else. But for you to get all that God has for you, you need to expect something yourself. It's not just your parents' God anymore. It's not just your friends' God. It's your God. And you get out of God what you expect out of Him. And some of us have our expectations so low this summer, I came to stir you up and lift those expectations up and get your hopes up again this summer, this year, on what God can do in your life. God responds to people who expect Him to do something in their life. Hebrews 11, 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Notice in New Living it says this, Faith is the confidence that what we hope for, hope for will actually happen. Notice that the New Living. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for or what we expect will actually happen. you got to realize faith and expectation go together. And there's so many people that say, well, I'm a person of faith, are you? Just because you came to an altar one time and accepted Jesus into your heart doesn't mean you're living by faith. Doesn't mean you're moving by faith. It means you had faith one time, but faith is not just a one-time event. It's a walk daily. That's what the Word of God says. You walk by faith, not by sight, or not by your feelings. You walk by faith and not by sight, meaning faith is a walk every day. Faith is an expectation every day that God's going to do something in your life, not just once a year at camp time, not just once a year when the winter retreat comes around, not just once a year when you get on fire for God because you had some feelings, the other service, and then you get your expectations up. No. Faith is a lifestyle, and it's a walk with God every day. So don't say you're a faith person if you're not expecting anything to happen. Because if it's real faith, you're expecting that something will happen any time now. You don't put a timetable on it. You know God's going to move any time now, and you believe, and I love this, you have confidence that what you hope for is going to happen. What you hope for is actually going to happen. It's not just a pipe dream. It's not just preacher talk. Let's get our hopes up and then be let down next year. Then someone's going to come preach on hope and faith again. You're going to get your hopes up and God's going to let you down again. No, faith is a confidence that what you hope for is actually going to happen. And that's in the people that God moves in their life are people that believe it. Not that they wish that something would happen. Not that they say, why? I think God might do something. I think something might happen. That's not faith. That's doubt. That's unbelief. And, and God says in His Word in the book of James that let him who doubts, he won't receive anything from God. So think about, am I a person of faith? Because if I am, I'm going to expect something to happen. Now, we're talking about being a person of 
about life, you're not in faith. Bottom line. But being in faith is not just you're just naturally a positive person. Because there's some people that are just positive all the time. But their positivity is not rooted in anything bigger than themselves. So when the storms of life happen and when things don't necessarily go their way, their positivity can wane. But faith is different than that. Because your faith is rooted in God, not in your circumstances. So even when things are going wrong, you can still expect good because you're in faith. Are you listening to what I'm saying tonight? And we see that when you're in faith and you're expecting good, even if good doesn't happen, you still expect good. Because that's a person of faith. Because God never said everything that you ever believed and so-called you think is going to happen is going to happen. No, He never said that. He never said that you're never going to go through any tests and trials. He never said that. He never said your life would be rainbow sprinkles and kittens. He never said that. It says the storms of life come to the believer and the unbeliever alike. But the difference is, if you're a believer, no matter what happens to you, you have faith and expectation that God's going to bring you through it and to the other side, no matter what's happening in your life. You have faith and you have the expectation that it's going to get better. It's not going to get worse. You're not a faith person if you're always saying, well, this is going to get worse any time now. It's been going pretty good for a couple weeks. The other shoe's got to drop. It's going to get worse. People talk like that all the time. Well, you know, I've been good for a couple weeks. God's going to reward me with something good. Or I've been bad for a couple weeks. You know, the judgment of God is coming. So faith is always expecting good to happen. And really when it's tested is when nothing good happens, and you're still in faith expecting good to happen. That's when you know you're starting to be a mature believer. 
Solomon in the context, they brought back a grape that was like the size of a watermelon. You can imagine what the size of a watermelon was, like a VW bug, probably. So they brought back the fruit from the promised land, and it was a huge grape with milk and honey. But notice in verse 28, it says, Nevertheless, the people who dwell on the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak, which is a giant. If you want to know more about the giants, see Bruce afterwards, and he will elaborate on the doctrine of giants and angels. No, seriously. Elaborate on it. It's maybe not all scriptural, but it's interesting to listen to. It kind of makes sense. You can kind of see it. Um, so notice they they said these guys are strong and they're large and they're giants that live in the promised land. Now let me give you some context to this before going any further. Um, realize at the time. God's people came out of Egypt. Everybody remember that they were in bondage in Egypt. And God brought them out of Egypt. Moses and Aaron brought them out of Egypt. There were probably three million of them. He brought them out of Egypt. They went to the Red Sea. Uh, the Pharaoh was chasing them. And God split the Red Sea. They went over on dry ground. And when the Pharaoh and all the bad guys came after them, uh, the water drowned them. So God had been doing miracles. After miracle, after miracle, after miracle, big things uh, like plagues, like red seas splitting apart, big deal miracles. And we see that they came to the wilderness, and the wilderness journey was only supposed to take about twelve days. And they ended up staying in the wilderness forty years. And I'll tell you why, because. God's people came out of Egypt, they were rescued, and which we know it's a type and shadow of us being rescued out of the hands of the enemy, out of the world, out of uh, the dominion of the enemy. We've been rescued out of that. But notice, God says He had a place for them where He wanted them to live, and it was promised land, or Canaan. But there was, between the Red Sea and Canaan, or the promised land, was a wilderness. But like I said, it would only take them 12 days to walk. Not that big a deal. But it took them 40 years, and most of them died in the wilderness. Now, why did that happen? Why did that happen? Well, I'm going to tell you why. Because we see here that they expected that to happen. Is why it happened. Even though the promised land was 12 days in 40 years, they could take 12 days to walk to the promised land. But you know, they walked all the way up to the promised land and stopped. Why? Because they heard that there was giants over there, that all these people were strong, all these people were mighty. Think about this. The short-term memory of God's people. Did God just deliver you out of your enemies in Egypt? Did God just split the Red Sea? Did God just give you bread and water in the middle of the desert for 40 years? Could he not take care of a couple of giants 
Guys, seriously, think, think with me here. God's people in the Old Testament. And you know, the enemy does that to you. He gives you short-term memory of the stuff that God has already brought you out of in your life. He's already delivered you. He's already healed you. He's already brought you out of so much stuff in your life. But then when this new thing comes, you think, well, I'm not going to make it. You need to think about what God has done before in your life and get your expectation up. If God did it before, he's going to do it again. Get your hopes back up again. Because when you expect him to do something, that's when he will do something. And then you're asking me today, well, that was them, that's not me. There's, there's no physical promise land we got to walk to. We're not going to go over to Israel and walk where the promise land used to be. But our promises are spiritual. you got to realize that they had a promise land but we have promises that God has given us in His Word. And there's hundreds of promises that are in this Bible that you have that are for you. Not just for a pastor. They're for you. And there's hundreds of them. Just pick one. But realize the difference is there's hundreds of promises in this book, but you have to take possession of what already belongs to you. See, that's the difference. God said, I already gave you the promised land. It's yours. But you have to possess it. In the same way God has told us, all the promises of God are yes and amen to us, but we have to possess it. And you possess it by your faith and your expectation. You don't possess it by going to fight a battle with a giant. You don't possess it by walking a certain amount. Possess it by faith, by expectation. So we think it's the same thing for us today. It's no different. There's hundreds of promises that already belong to us in the same way that the promised land already belongs to them. But we have to possess it. Because he said it's ours. you got to realize when he says it's yours, it doesn't matter if there's an enemy there. That's the power to go defeat the enemy that's in your promise right now. And when he said, the promised land is yours, he meant whoever's there right now has to leave because it's your promised land. And so we see that he sent 12 spies, Moses sent 12 spies into the promised land to scout out, scout out, what God already said is theirs. There was no reason to scout out the promised land. He already said it's yours. It's not like, go report, if we like it, then we'll take it. No, God says it's already yours, just go possess it. See, that was the first mistake he made. But notice when he sent out 12 spies, he sent 12 spies, but 10 had a bad report or a bad expectation, but 2 had a good report and a good expectation. And notice
in when none of your friends go in. And you want them to go in, but if they don't want to, and they don't want to expect, guess what? You can walk around for 40 years, but I'm going to go into the promised land, what God has called me to do, and I'm not going to give up on my dreams just because you gave up on your dreams, just because your parents gave up on their dreams. Don't give up on what God has placed in your heart just because they want to stay in the wilderness because they don't want to expect God to do anything in their life.
one more time. He talked about changing your perspective. Some of you might be for me because it's so powerful. Help with Jesus. Your problem is not your problem. The way you see your problem is the problem. you got to realize whatever you're going through, the problem you see is not really the problem. It's the perspective that you have about that problem is the difference. Because every time you get overwhelmed by a problem, why you're seeing it from the wrong perspective. You don't realize you're seeing it from your perspective, not God's perspective. And that's why you're upset about it. That's why it's intimidating. Because you're looking at your problem from the wrong point of view. When you need to realize the whole time, just like it was with them, your enemy and your problem is scared of you. You don't need to be scared of it. And when you get past that situation, you'll realize how scared the enemy was. In the same way, when they got to the promised land, they were like, you guys were afraid of us the whole time. We didn't even have to even fight for you. But they didn't know that until they got to the promised land. So we see the enemy will try to blur your vision to make the problem seem bigger than it actually is. You ever thought about this? Maybe these guys weren't really giants. But that's the way they saw it. Maybe they weren't really that big. But the enemy will play games with your mind and make things look bigger than they really are. Instead, all we can't do it, they're giants. So we see that you need to change your perspective. Your problem's not your problem. The way you see your problem is your problem. And that's the truth. The way you see your problem is the problem. The, the thing you're, you're looking at, whatever it is in your life, it could be a million things. It's not really the issue. It's the way you see it is the issue. Because you can look at it through fear, or you can look at it through faith. You can look at it through, my God can beat this, or this thing is so much bigger than I am, it's a giant. You can look at it in a bad expectation, like, well, you know what, I know God's got me through it before, but this is a big situation, God. I don't think you're going to make it this time. And then will try to tell you stuff like that. It's not going to work out this time. Or you can look at your situation and say, Hey, this is a big situation, but my God's bigger than it. And I'm going to have a good expectation no matter what's happening to me that God's still going to take me to the promised land where I belong no matter what happens. No matter if we got to take a little detour through the wilderness, we're still going to get there. And that's an attitude of faith. And that's somebody who has the right Step back and say, hey, I'm looking at it from the wrong perspective here. I'm not seeing it right. I need to see it from God's perspective. 
everybody at your school. You're going to be different than everybody at your job. But guess what? They're not going in, and you are. So it's okay to be different. And if they'll listen to you, then maybe they can go in too. But you've got to have a different spirit to get into the place that God promised you. You've got to have a different attitude than everybody else has. You can't laugh at the same jokes that everybody laughs at. You can't agree with the same old unbelief that everybody says. People say that to work, at your job, at your school, in your neighborhood. They'll make little comments. They'll make little jokes about expecting the worst. I'll probably get the cold next week. You know, this job probably won't work out with me. I'll probably get fired here pretty soon. Don't laugh at that kind of stuff. You don't got to be rude or a jerk to them, but you got a different spirit and a different attitude. And Christian people will say that to you. Well, the Lord's trying to teach me something through this. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And, uh, and dumb Christians agree with that stuff. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away.
not everybody has it. Let me say this, not every Christian has a different spirit. Mm-hmm. Not every Christian has a different spirit. Really, a lot of Christians are some of the most negative people on the planet, which makes no sense with being a person of faith. Because being a person of faith is you expect the good in the future. So you need to be around people that are going to encourage your dreams. And when you feel like quitting, they won't let you quit. You need those people. Not the people that say, well, you know what? I've been thinking about quitting myself. Let's just go. I've been, I've been wanting to get out of church on the rock for a minute. You want to go? Come on, let's go. They're hiring down the street. Let's go. That's not pertaining to anybody here, is it? Couple people. Maybe in this direction. I don't know. No, I'm joking. Kinda. <laughs> but you don't need people that are going to agree with you when you say, man, I just kind of kind of gave up on Jesus. You know, I was kind of really hoping for this. I was expecting this, and it really didn't happen. You don't need people that are going to say, well, you know what? You win some, you lose some. Let's just tough it out. Just a mediocre, average life. No, you don't need people like that. You need people that are going to encourage you and light a fire underneath you if you need it to encourage you and build you up and say, you need to start expecting God to do something again. You need to get your hopes up again. You need to get your faith up again that God's going to do something. You know, what you expect, you will talk about. Christians realize that. That's pretty bold of God to say this. What you 
have spoken in my hearing, so I will do for you. Not what I randomly feel like doing for you. What you said depends on how God moves in your life. What you said. Whatever you call God to be in your life is what he'll be. If you just want him to be your Savior, he'll just be your Savior. But if you want him to be your healer, you better call him your healer. If you want him to be your provider, you better call him your provider. If you want him to be your joy, you better call him your joy. If you want him to be your peace, you better call him your peace. Because he will be to you whatever you say to him. That's what the Word says. So we need to get our faith and our expectation. So number one, you need to change your perspective. Number two, you need to have a different spirit. And what you expect, you will talk to them. You know, a lot of us are talking about camp and it's coming soon. Why are we talking about it? Because it's, we're expecting it to come. We're expecting it to come. But let's get more specific on that. What are you expecting to happen? What are you expecting God to do in your life? Not just this year, but in the future. What are you saying? Where's your faith at? Where's your expectation? You need to give it up. Because I know something that God wants to do more in your life than you ever imagined, than you ever dreamed, but you have to expect it to happen. Last verse. Good message, and now it's going to be a good time to get to each other. Thank you. 